Coming up to seven minutes past 12 o'clock. Good afternoon from me, Ray White, in for Mandy Wiener in the Friday edition of the Midday Report. Well, a busy Friday it is coming up on your program. The International Day of Decent Work has been marked around the world today. But instead of celebrations back home, there have been some protests around the country asking the question, why are people so unhappy? Then the Samu strike continues in Swane. Now, with the support of the ANC and Kasatu, a march is underway in the capital city. Looking at that, another breakthrough against cash and transit robbers, taking a closer look at what appears to be a wave of such robberies. And then, of course, the weekend is here, and it's crunch time for some in the Rugby World Cup. It's Ireland versus Scotland. Looking at that match, and uh, lots to talk about on the show this afternoon. You would have heard now in Iwood, news, the situation at Unisa. It's not a good situation. The Pretoria High Court has interdicted Higher Education Minister Bledin Zamande from placing Unisa under administration. Your thoughts on this? Does the varsity need to be placed under administration? What are some of your experiences? We'd like to hear from you. Leave a WhatsApp voice note message on 0727021702 or 0725671567. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. Right, let's jump right into it. The International Day of Decent Work has been marked today, and it should be a celebration. However, the reality is far different here in South Africa with major unemployment. As a result, pickets are being held at various centres around the country today, including in Gauteng and also the outside the Western Cape Legislature. Eyewitness News reporter Gloria Motswere is in the Joburg CBD, where Gloria joins us. Good afternoon, Gloria. Right, just describe exactly what's happening. I can hear people in the background. Who's gathered? Good afternoon, Ray. We are actually in the Pretoria CBD where different labor unions have actually come out in support of the march that is happening today. The NOSA is here, the nursing union. The e-hailing partners council is also part of the march. Hundreds of people have come out in their numbers. A lot of roads have been closed off to traffic in the, in the Pretoria CBD. And we have currently just arrived at the National Treasury. Fantastic. We've caught you in the Pretoria CBD then. What are protesters saying to you? They sound to be very vocal. So there has been people that have been very vocal about the situation. They're saying that at the at the where the country is there's a lot of economic issues that everyday people are required to deal with, but with the way that the labor union is working is not necessarily in favor of the employees, particularly with the situation in the city of Tuanere. This is where Kosatu has come in to say that this has been going on for so long and there has not been any solution from the city of Tuane. And that is why they're submitting a petition to the city today to demand a response, to demand that the city does something about this. Because as we know, over 100 people have been dismissed because of the ongoing wage dispute in the city of Tuane. And this is Amos Munela from Kosatu and this is what he has to say. We will defend collective bargaining, comrades. No, comrades, let's take our position. This is a battle we cannot lose. This is a battle we cannot lose because if we lose this battle, the 
of our comrades, it means that we are surrendering our rights, our hard-earned rights as workers of this country. We can't, comrades, again. We can't, the concerned citizens, we cannot allow a situation where our city remains filthy when the mayor continues to be arrogant. We cannot allow a situation where there are no services delivered to our people because of one man. We shall defeat that coverage. Let us start, coverage. Let us start and follow the track. Marshals are going to marshal us. We are marching to the National Treasury. From there, we are marching to the city of Tuanu. Right, uh, we will be chatting to Kasatu about this a little bit later on in the show because there are some issues there, Gloria, plenty of issues actually when it comes to employment and it's also the Samu strike as well in Swania as well. Just if we still got you on the line, I'm not sure if we've lost you yet. But yes, just, I'm still here. Good stuff. When it takes, uh, just taking a look at the traffic chaos that's being caused, how big is this march? This is a bit of a big march. Earlier today, we saw people arriving in multiple buses. So these are people that are coming from different areas in housing. So they are all gathered here today. So there's hundreds of people that are here. Multiple roads have been closed off, like I said earlier. Traffic is being directed in different directions. So you can safely say that at some point, some parts of the Pretoria CBD are at a standstill right now. So what we will be doing is going through some of those roads with you as well, just to tell you exactly where you shouldn't be going in the Pretoria CBD. Let's move to Cape Town now. Thanks so much to Gloria Motsueda on the uh, our Eyewitness News reporter in the capital city. And just stay tuned to Eyewitness News throughout the afternoon, where she'll give you details of those roads as well. But let's go to Cape Town now, where Carlo Peterson is outside the Western Cape Legislature. Carlo Peterson, hi, good afternoon. What's the situation now in Cape Town? You heard what's happening in Pretoria. What about Cape Town? Well, it definitely seems like there's much more going on in Pretoria compared to Cape Town. I'm standing outside the provincial legislature building right now. And um, there was a picket supposed to start here at 12 o'clock. Um, I do see some Pusatu members making slowly making their way here now. Um, but I haven't had a chance to, to speak to any of them yet. I did, though, speak to the uh, Kasatu Provincial Secretary, Marvin Debrain, earlier. Um, and he said that uh, they will be handing over a memorandum um, to um, the Western Cape um, um, officials here at the, at the provincial legislature. Some of the things he highlighted um, in that memorandum will be um, expressing disappointment in employees, undermining collective bargaining, um, the attack on workers, um, and then the question of labor brokering, and um, saying that they would also like insourcing. Mm. Okay, all right, so that's what they're doing, what you're saying. The crowd is not big at the moment. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We might bounce back to you later on in the show. That's Eyewitness News reporter Carlo Peterson. Let's stay with the story because I want to bounce back now to Swanee. We're going back between the capital city and Cape Town, but back to the capital city. There are other issues there. It's not just about unemployment. Uh, motorists have been warned of traffic chaos in Swanee after the ANC backed the Samu municipal, uh, municipal strike. That's the other element 
moment that's playing out there. And you actually heard that with uh, Gloria Motswede. Kasatsu is now joining the march. And you heard it's in full swing. The ANC and Gauteng, they took a decision throwing their support behind the three-month-long strike led by the SA Municipal Workers Union, demanding wage increases for workers in the city of Swane. This was revealed by the ANC's Gauteng Secretary, Temen Kozi Tike Tiza. That was this week. And he slammed the multi-party coalition in Swane for failing to submit financial statements to the AG on the 31st of August. That was the deadline. But this was despite uh, the Swane Municipal Manager, Han Mettler, saying that uh, they need more time. There was all sorts of shenanigans that went uh, on in Swane. It saw the, the Mayor Randall Williams. He had to step down. The CFO was relieved of his duties. They say, we just need some more time. Well, on the line is Kasatu's Gauteng Provincial Chair, Amos Moniella. Amos Boniella, hi, good afternoon. Welcome to Cape Talk in 702. Good day to you and uh, listening. We've heard you uh, talking to the protesters. We heard that with our reporter there in Swane. I want to start with the financials, if I may. There were major problems and irregularities with the former CFO, also the mayor going to. Is it not fair to give them more time to get their house in order? Well, uh, well, it is fair to give people the house, uh, to get their house in order. I think uh, the mayor and the CFO uh, might have resigned a while ago. But as we're talking about workers, we've got families to take care. We've got mouths to feed. Whilst uh, the executives are earning uh, hefty salaries, uh, why should we give them time to implement a collective agreement that they've signed with workers uh, at a level of self? So, so I do not understand why. People have squandered 10, 10 billion uh, to the extent that they ended up resigning. So it shows that you know uh, the, the 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 mismanagement of funds is taken out on poor workers. We've got nothing to do uh, with the uh, mismanagement of that 10 billion we are unable to account for uh, at the AG. We just don't understand why people will, will one time when they are supposed to implement the, uh, the collective agreement that they signed. Yeah. All right. Well, the city does remain adamant that the demand by workers for a 5.4% wage increase is not affordable for them. Is there any chance of any common ground Yeah, We are three months into the strike. I mean, what happens next? Well, all what I understand is that workers are not on the strike. They're back at work. Uh, but this is a collective agreement that they've signed. It's 5.5. Mm. I think that's because in Kauke, we've always called for the mayor. Uh, to engage with workers. You cannot engage with workers through media. So go and engage in a collective bargaining process and give it a, a, an offer on the table. You can't just say 5.5 uh, is too much when an agreement was signed off uh, by parties. But then go to workers, engage with workers, and see as to whether uh, an offer that you are going to put on the table is the offer that is going to be acceptable. Then you can come and tell us that workers are not reasonable. But then today, they don't want to speak to workers they are renting a crowd of uh, left organization uh, or the, uh, you know, the, 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 the left organization uh, to badge workers, to fight workers, to dismiss, to, to, to dismiss workers. This is a person who's not interested in, uh, in engagement. If you look at the, uh, at the, at the uh, bargaining council uh, ruling on their uh, exemption uh, application, it stated that there's money in the city of Chuan. There's uh, 12, uh, 12 million uh, that has been budgeted for, for a number of things. There's 1.1 billion, which is in reserve. That's why uh, the bargaining council uh, 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 did not agree with them on their request for, for exemption. So who's pulling who here? And I think people of the media must just go 
and mm. look for this answer from the mayor uh, of the city of Tsar. Has the mayor spoken to you? Have you been addressed by the Swani administration? I mean, what are they saying to you? No, no, COSAT has not been addressed. They were expecting Samu to engage with them. So COSAT will be a, a last resort uh, to resolve this, uh, this issue. Samu uh, is, should engage with the, uh, with the, municipal, uh, with the municipality. Then if uh, uh, anything else comes to a push, we may have to put our political muscle to come and make sure that there is a, uh, an engagement with workers. We are not, Kosatu uh, cannot be within the workplace uh, and engage on substantive issues. We can only engage on social economic issues and support our village who are on the strike. But then if we want to, to we can write to the mayor and say, Mayor, from here, we just think that Kosatu should engage with herself and, uh, and we'll move from that premise. Mm. It's a story we are definitely going to watch very, very closely. Amos Morniella, who's Kasatu's Gauteng Provincial Chairperson. Thanks for coming on to the Midday Report. As you heard, in Swane, there's a... I won't say there's mayhem or chaos, it's just a protest, but certain uh, streets have been affected by the march. These are Struben, uh, Kawi, Hossi, Mampuru, uh, Sophie de Brain, uh, Madiba, Bosman Street, Paul Kruger, Tabo Sehume, and Lillian Ngoi. So if you are going in that direction or using those, those roads, maybe go around the city because that protest is going to continue throughout lunchtime and probably into this afternoon as well. Because this journey is better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 702. Uh, good day, Ray. You, you know, these unions people, they think we are stupid. Unions can never blame one another, even when someone is wrong. On the city, on the issue of city of Tuani, uh, Samu is the one that is wrong. It's not a municipality that is wrong. It's Samu. They went to an illegal strike. So those people must be fired by participating in an illegal strike. Why are we blaming municipality? Municipality never done anything wrong. Thanks for your WhatsApp. Yes, well, I suppose the blame game can continue between the two, but I do know that the municipality has strongly indicated that they cannot afford this. They are saying that uh, due to what's happened in the city and also due to their bottom line, that's uh, the money that they pay out every month. They simply cannot afford this. So it is a story we're going to be following very closely. One or two other WhatsApps coming in. A lot of people very angry with the protesters about what they're doing today in the city of Swane because it's stopping traffic. And I see one or two SMSs, one person say, saying this is totally unacceptable. thing is, you need to protest. You also have the right to protest as well. Another WhatsApp says, Ray, you haven't spoken about the Nobel Peace Prize. All right, let's speak about it. Iranian rights activist Najes Mohammadi has won the 2023 Nobel Peace Prize. The Norwegian Nobel Committee picked the winner for the world's most significant peace prize among 351 candidates, including 259 individuals and 92 organizations. And that's so important for Iran. Uh, At the moment, she is, I think she's in custody. She's in jail. She's been held. And uh, it just brings so much attention to what's going on in Iran. So that's uh, one of the big breaking news stories that we've had in Eyewitness News so far this afternoon. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 
24 minutes past 12 o'clock and the multi-million rand fraud and corruption trial of former Etiquini Mayor Zandile Gomede and 21 other accused has resumed after it was adjourned earlier on this week. The adjournment was granted to allow one of the accused, Cynthia Nzusa, time to familiarise herself with court documents since she is now representing herself. And it's, it's a very precarious position that some may say she has taken because to represent yourself in a fraud trial, you need to know what you're doing. So Nzusa is the wife of the former Etiquini city manager, Sipo Nzusa, who is also among the accused. Of course, Zandile Gomere, the former mayor of Etiquini, is there as well. On the line is Eyewitness News reporter Nklantla Mabaso. Nklantla, good afternoon. All right, is Cynthia Nzusa now up to date with all the documents submitted? Because I think she said the last time around, if I'm going to represent myself, I need all the all the documents. Hi. Well, good afternoon, Ray. Well, she has, we, we are yet to learn, Ray, as to what was the decision taken in this regard. And I'm saying this because the matter has not yet set. We were here since 9 o'clock in the morning, but it seems that uh, Judge Charmaine Bolton had a different matter at a different court. But now it seems she's done. She's currently meeting with the prosecution team ahead of the you know, commencement of the case, Ray. But we did see that the state witness who cannot be named for safety reasons is now back in court and is due to give testimony. We've also seen sentences, of course, earlier on this morning walking in. Interestingly, I had um, uh, you know, a, a little chat with Zandila Kometi in the morning. She says that she is ready to see this trial process. She even says that she told her lawyers that she wants to see this matter rolling and, of course, forging ahead. But we are only going to court now really, just to find out as to whether it will proceed, whether she will be representing herself, as mentioned, or whether she got a new lawyer. But you do know what it means when she has a new lawyer, right? Is that the new lawyer would now have to study those papers, which may mean another postponement. We do know the matter is set down for trial for two weeks, which means only next week is left for this case to continue, right? So I yet to hear from the courts in this regard as to from here, where to. I want to go back to Cynthia Nzusa. Why did she part with her legal team? What's the story behind that? alleged financial issues, Ray, she was not willing to give media comment, but word is very strong from the accused in this matter that of her legal issues, I mean, financial issues in this regard. But also, Ray, this is not surprising. At first, some of the accused did raise concern about this particular matter, saying that being in court, even if the judge is busy with meetings or other things, them being in court is them losing regardless of their lawyers being in court working or not. But they say they're currently losing a lot of money. In fact, you'd recall that on Eyewitness on Friday we had Landila Gometa's false person and Rokuza saying some of these accused allow at a level where some of them would even sell their houses and cars because most of their pension, and just recall that some of them are former municipal uh, officials. He said that most of these um, officials, their pension funds, now ran out because they had to pay for those legal issues for this fraud and corruption case. But hold on, just to be clear, there is legal aid as well. That's why it's there. Legal aid is for you Mm. to, it's for free. I mean, you just have to apply for legal aid, say that you can't pay for it, and it's in the interests of justice that you get legal Mm. aid. Indeed, Ray, but we'll 
of course, when one, that's true, but when an accused decides to opt for a different option that the courts do allow as well, then it's, it's something that the courts cannot prevent. But then some would argue to say some, you know, are just coming up with delay tactics, but because now all of these accused are singing a different tune. Some are saying they're willing to see this matter proceed. But with such instances that are going to further delay the case, one would, one would assume that some are just delaying not to go ahead, but they still raise issues to say, with it being delayed, some of the money that they've spent is, is, is you know, uh, is running out. But we are hoping to hear from the Coastway. But in many instances, it does happen that even when an accused, you know, is forging that, uh, forging ahead with representing themselves, they do get advice from the judge to say, in the, with the manner of this trial, then you may not. But we are still yet to hear because last week the matter was adjourned for today. Where clarity will be provided in court in as far as her legal representation is concerned. But we do see now most of the accused walking back in court. We're expecting this matter to proceed anytime from now, right? I do have to ask you the question, though. Is there genuine concern with the delays in this? Because it just seems to be delay after delay after delay. And you do ask yourself the question, is there something else at play here? Well... It's hard to tell, especially because at first, one would look at the issue of the accused and say, maybe it's them trying to come up with those delays. But we've seen recently some of the postponements in this case because of the state prosecutor in the trial. That's Ashika Larkin. Last week, recall Judge Shamin Bolton calling her out on some of the mistakes she's previously made in this court case. For an example, the judge was very clear in March when the case commenced that some of the documents that need to be said have to be said in time with the defense uh, counsel and not just the attorneys so that the counsel can have time to also, you know, go through the papers before they are brought to court so that they also know how to prepare for their, for their cases in court. But this time around, we've seen her doing the same thing where she comes in court introducing new papers that the counsel claims not to have an idea of. On Friday, when the court... Um, during the court proceedings with the witness already understand, right? Um, she then referred to counsel and said to defense lawyers, they must refer them to a certain document named document 22, right? But the lawyer mm. already telling the judge to say, no, we received a file from her indeed on Friday night, although it was too late for some of the lawyers. Right. They read it, but none of it had the so-called folder 22. So some of the delays, right, are coming from the state and at times from the accused. Very, very interesting. Eyewitness News reporter and Kantla Mabaso on the line from Durban. Your voice. Your station. Let's walk the talk. 702. 702. Good afternoon, Ray. I'm Mrs. Shuva. I'm a public servant. I did not get my salary for three years under ANC government for the first time. So why is the Kosatu now complaining if a mayor of Swane is doing the same thing? Because this is exactly what ANC did to us public servants. For three years, we signed an agreement. They refused to pay us because there was no money. So the mayor of Swane is coping from the ANC government. This is what they did to us. So let Kosato sit down because they didn't do nothing when we're not paid our salaries for three years while we're dying with COVID.
Hi, Ray. Um, consider this about the uh, Swanee issues. Kasatu is flexing its muscles for two reasons. First of all, it's losing membership. It has a very small constituency base uh, amongst workers because they're totally ineffective as an umbrella organization, as are Kasatu's constituent trade unions. And secondly, the majority of Kasatu officials are gunning for positions in the new structures which will come after the elections next year. So this has absolutely nothing to do with the workers who were fired in Swanee and everything to do with people politicking and positioning themselves for personal gain. And we see that with Kasatu's leaders again and again and again. And they don't mind putting an entire city, an entire province at risk simply to create a platform for themselves individually. Thanks for your WhatsApp voice note messages. Please keep them coming. It's interesting, the first one talking about being a public servant, not being paid for three years or getting an increase. There was COVID-19. There was the ANC government before, and now it's a DA government in the city of Swane. So, yes, do please con, uh, compare notes on the two. And then, of course, yes, let's consider the fact there is an election next year. And why are people joining marches? Is it because? Is it because there is no positive outcome from Samu and they they need help or is it something else? I think it's something as a listener, we're going to give you the information and then after that, you need to decide for yourself why are people marching, good or bad? Because this journey is better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 7.02. 21 minutes to 1 o'clock and there's been a general increase in cash and transit heists. In the latest incident, this was this morning, four suspects believed to have been involved in a spate of uh, CIT robberies in the Etiquini area were killed in a shootout with police. Now, police said team comprising various police disciplines and the Hawks followed up on information after the spate of cash and transit heists in the area. What happened? They cornered these guys at a house. They told them to surrender. They didn't surrender. They opened fire and the police returned fire, killing four. They found all sorts of things, arms and ammunition. They found explosives and all sorts of things. So you do kind of think to yourself, these guys are quite well organized. How is this uh, How is this happening? On the line is crime analyst uh, Krista Cock. Good afternoon, Chris. Good to have you on the Midday Good Report. Afternoon. Good to have Good you on the Midday Report. The Thank you. A cash and transit robberies appear to go in waves. I mean, you see this. They are arrested. They are smashed, these syndicates. They go away, but then they come back. What's going on? Yeah, well, because it's organized crime, you see. Um, there will always be their planners and their ringleaders of the, at the top, which will organize new uh, heists. Uh, we have seen in the end of, uh, at about two, around about the World Cup soccer uh, in 2010, 2011, we were at a very low point. There were virtually only a few CIT robberies. And that was because of good intelligence work and the takedown of groups of, of, of CIT uh, criminals in those years. Then after about 2014, we saw an increase and then a dip again. And for the last three years, we have seen a constant increase. Uh, 2021, 18,9%. 21,22, 22,1% increase. And according to the four quarters, which is released, the year is not released yet, but 22, 23, 12.3% increase. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it's a very... It's, it's a highly organized business, uh, CIT robberies. 
uh, you will find, uh, according to research done by Lochner, you will find um, that they, the ringleaders come together, they have some information that there is a route, uh, a specific pickup point where a lot of money is being taken in, say, at a casino or whatever the case may be. Uh, they will then start to plan, slowly but surely, such a heist. And they do planning for up to six months, and they do intelligence gathering. Now, uh, and they know exactly where to hit the vehicle, usually with a Mercedes-Benz, an old model Mercedes-Benz. And um, depending on the design of the vehicle, they will hit it on uh, different points. They then have experts in explosives who open the safe or the roof or the back door of the vehicle and then the safe. Uh, they, they, they know how to work with explosives. They then have people who get away with the cash. One thing that has changed in the last few weeks, it seems, uh, weeks or even a month or two, is after, uh, before even, the Louis Trichard heist, yeah. uh, where they wanted to strike a, a money depot. Um, and then 19 were shot. We now see more regular that the police receive information or there is, it seems, intelligence from the police aside from crime intelligence. They then follow this up and then usually there's a shootout and uh, a lot of them get killed like yesterday or yesterday evening or Mm. late this morning, early this morning. Uh, Now, this will have a, you will see that figures will now start to, to decrease. Uh, we had okay. the same incident many, many years ago uh, around about the World Cup at Hamann's Kral, where, where uh, 14 or 12 of the CIT robbers were shot dead. And in the two quarters after that, you, you there were virtually no CIT robberies. Yeah, yeah. You see, that's interesting. But as you were reading out that information, first of all, I thought, okay, hold on. With COVID-19, there was the pandemic. It's a poor economy. These are people who are desperate for cash. But it's not that because these guys are highly trained, aren't they? Are these former military, are these military vets? Who are they? Well, according to, to research, not valid, uh, all military vets, they, they will find people, of uh, even uh, Zimbabwean ex-military, involved in these heists. Uh, but it is, it is, this is people who have just, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to f- uh, firing a gun, maybe they were part of a hit squad, uh, you know, and they have trained themselves. Uh, but but then you find the guys with explosives. They are maybe ex-miners. Mm. So that's not. You sometimes find police involvement. A member of the police, one or two members, which can be involved in such heist. Uh, but it's not. Not all of them are ex-military or ex-police or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, they are just training themselves as they go. And they start off as maybe a hit squad member, and then they get promoted. When the ringleaders uh, compile a group or, or, or do their planning and they say, in this, we need 15 people here, we will use so-and-so because he's a very good shot. He can, he can fire a gun. He knows how to do it. We use this person as the driver of the heat vehicle, which is going to drive into the, the CIT robbery uh, van. Um, you see, I mean, they select very carefully and they select on the basis of experience.
Gosh, that's interesting. Just one more question. Crime intelligence, like you said, seems to be getting better. That's a good thing. That's quite positive. Yeah, this is positive. If, if, because clearly in the last two months, we have seen more and more success from the police side. Now, I hope that this will, uh, this will increase. And because that's the only, if you don't have crime intelligence, you can look at any organized crime. This is now one case of organized crime. But you can look at Zama Zamas, you can look at, uh, at uh, the building mafia, you can look at all the different sectors of, of organized crime. You need intelligence. Because you need intelligence not only of the incident that is going to occur, but you need intelligence on the ringleaders, on the syndicate heads. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly where you need it. Crime analyst Krista Cock, thank you so much for your insights on the Madeira Report. Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 14 minutes to 1 o'clock and hearings are now underway into the Electricity Regulation Amendment Bill. What does this mean? Well, the bill provides for additional electricity generation capacity as well as the establishment of the transmission system operator. On the line is Eyewitness News parliamentary reporter Babalo Ndenze. Good afternoon, Babalo. Now, so what has been discussed today then? Well, Ray, besides the, you know, the technical glitches with the stream from Zerast in the Northwest, and which is where the public hearings are today on, and um, it, it basically follows uh, the hearings that were in Mpumalanga, which was the second province to host these public hearings, um, which started in Limpopo last week. And, you know, the, the committee hopes to cover all provinces before the end of this year. But uh, the, the committee, or the hearings rather, and some of the submissions from the public so far, um, you know, even before today's hearings in Zeros, was that you know the, the, the committee was told by members of the public that were submitting that the um, parliament must ensure that oversight over the tariffs of these new companies that will hopefully be created as a result of this legislation um, you know, will charge when they compete with ESCOM. So they want oversight over the charges of any new company that comes up as a result of this to avoid any possible collusion and that any of the new reforms must not affect the jobs currently at ESCOM. And, you know, others at the same public hearings have, have, have made submissions that there's, you know, no need for any new companies to compete with ESCOM. ESCOM should remain as is or the status quo should rather stay as is and all that is needed is proper maintenance and, you know, servicing these power stations that the country heavily relies on, especially the coal power, power, um, power stations, Ray. Um, so but that's, those are just some of the submissions that have been made so far. And then, as you correctly mentioned, the bill is aimed to effect changes to the Electricity Regulation Act to provide additional generation capacity and infrastructure and also the creation of a a transmission system operator. And we know that, you know, this falls within that energy action plan that government has, which will, which will also see, you know, the further reforms in the energy sector, uh, like breaking ESCOM down into three separate entities. Um, so these discussions are ongoing, Ray, and Parliament will continue these public hearings over the weekend until, until Monday, actually, when they are in the Mochanala district. Yeah. Just a one more question. There have been problems when adding to the grid, uh, capacity problems. It's lovely that these new companies come along and then they want to add on and uh, ESCOM says, if you can't, you'll crash the grid. Has anything been said about that? 
No, not, not currently at the moment, Ray. Anything being said about the actual grid or the capacity of the grid, a lot of the focus has just been on these reforms within transmission uh, as far as, you know, creation of any additional companies to, to compete with ESCOM on the transmission level. So it, 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 there are existing, you know, um, concerns around the, the grid generally. And the committee has also raised that within its own deliberations even before these public hearings, Ray. So it is definitely a matter that Parliament has been has been um, informed about it. Eyewitness News Parliamentary Reports have a Balo and Denze. Sports Rap. Sports Rap. On 702 and Cape Talk. Nine minutes to one o'clock. Right, what's going to happen this weekend with the sports? I've got my couch booked out and uh, staked out. I've told the family to stay away from me, especially tomorrow night at nine o'clock. Why, Anthony Tashada, have I told the family to stay away from me at nine o'clock tomorrow night? I mean, I think because you're a sucker for punishment, to be honest. <laughs> uh, because we'll be watching Ireland against Scotland at the I Rugby know, World Cup. I know, um, Honestly, it's, it's probably the biggest clash that we've had so far that's barring the island against South Africa one because that was just everything brilliant about rugby yeah this one is more so us waiting to see where we finish in the group if we make it into the knockouts because there's a lot of um, permutations when it comes to actual results on the field all right let's go through those now those two sides are playing and we've got the Springboks now what so basically the Springboks 15 points they won ahead of Ireland five ahead of Scotland um there is only one way that South Africa don't make the knockouts. And that's if, by some miracle, Scotland, who haven't won in the last, what, 13 outings against Ireland in test matches, well, they, if they go out and they win by 21 points and both sides get a bonus point. That's the only way that the Springboks don't make it to the but knockouts. win by 21 points against Ireland. Yeah, and that would basically mean that we would have to see something ridiculous like, uh, what, 45 24, something like that. that. Because they'd have to score four tries from the Irish side to get the bonus point. And what, it would have to be like seven or eight tries from Scotland. Okay. This is also against an Irish side that, what, 16 victories on on the bounce. Yes. Um, They're two away from equaling that All Blacks record. And uh, I don't know, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, the one thing that if you're a South African fan that really bodes well is that Johnny Sexton has actually never lost to a Scottish club in the last 12 years. Okay, good. So that's club and international level. So Ireland very much looking to show why they are that number one spot um, and also why they are favourites for the whole tournament. But sport's a funny thing. It is Let's a funny thing. Uh, look, there's that. I was always told growing up, you know, the ball is round. You don't know where it's going to bounce. And especially with the rugby ball, you definitely don't know where that <laughs> egg's going to bounce. Um, but it, it is going to be, I don't know. I just think that this Irish side very much want to take it. They mm-hmm. would break the record in the final. They would have 19 wins on the bounce if yeah. they made it all the way to the final. And I think that's something that excites them. They're also a team that we've seen in the last, what, 18 months that play some of the best rugby. Yeah. And not just that, they've dominated opponents. The only time that I've really seen them struggle to break down an opponent was against South Africa last year and against us again in the World Cup. Okay. Um, so it is going to be, I, I don't know, it's, it's going to be an exciting match, but I'm really hoping that mm. uh, South Africa can pull through. There is also a way that South Africa finished top of the group, which is pretty interesting. So that's yes. if if, I, if Scotland managed to go and win by less than 21 points. Right. They would then see the South Africa finish top and we would face the All Blacks in the quarterfinals instead of France. <laughs> 
Yes. I don't know what's better, the All Blacks or France, because the All Blacks are out of form at the moment, but they cleaned up, I think it was Uruguay last night. Yeah, that, it is very much a, a threat. You also know that when rivals meet, it's very unpredictable. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. And this is also a France, a France side that... They are missing a lot of big hitters. We don't know if Antoine Dupont, if he'll get clearance next week to play in the match. And also, we're not fully aware of what kind of rhythm he will have when he does come in. So maybe it is better to finish second in the group to face off against France. All right. All right. Cricket. Cricket. I'm talking all rugby. Cricket. Yes. Uh, pretty exciting times. We do have the Proteus women fa- playing today. Um, that's against New Zealand. They've just wrapped up an ODI series against them. Uh, a victory was 2-1. And now they have the T20s coming up. But I'm pretty sure you want to talk about the Proteus men because oh, they yeah. start their World Cup campaign. It's been a little rough for them given the fact that their pre-tournament matches were washed out due to rain. So it is a little worrying to see mm. that we don't have any recollection. But with the stars that we have in our squad and the fact that they have played the IPL does bode well, uh, they meet tomorrow morning at half past 10 in the first uh, match against Sri Lanka. Lovely, something to watch. Anthony Tashada, thank you so much for wrapping the sport on the Madeira Port. Good things. Good things. With Brent Lindeke. Brent Lindeke, known as the Good Things Guy, always speaks to Mandy at this time on a Friday. He's always got some good things making news headlines. Let's take a listen. Hey, what's happening, 702 and Cape Talk family? I'm back for another Feel Good Friday with more Good Things stories for you. First up, Cape Town has just been voted the fourth best large city in the world by the discerning readers of the Condé Naste Traveller in the 2023 Reader's Choice Awards. With over 520,000 readers from across the globe sharing their travel experiences, this award is a tribute to Cape Town's enduring charm and appeal. The mother city has once again proven that it has a special place in the hearts of travellers worldwide. The competition was fierce, with cities like Singapore, Tokyo, Seoul and Sydney also making it to the top five. But this only highlights the high standards of the cities that Cape Town was ranked against. Next up, if you didn't think it would be possible for South Africa and Ireland to unite after that Rugby World Cup match, you might want to tune into the sounds of rising starlet Neam Beatrix Smith, also known as the Little Adele. Not only is she going viral with her incredible talent, but this young South African is also heading to the finals of Eurovision Juniors. To hear her voice, head on over to goodthingsguide.com. And lastly for this week, we're celebrating the fact that the Santa Shoebox Initiative has hit 72% of his pledges. Yep, South Africans have done outstanding work this year and have already pledged to gift Santa Shoeboxes to 72% of the children on this list. That means they only need to find 30,000 more pledges for 2023 to make sure every child gets a gift this year. Every pledge means a child gets a unique and heartfelt gift, knowing that someone out there is thinking of them in the lead up to the festive season. And no child in need should go without a Santa shoebox. So this is your call to action to get involved. There you go. There is good news all around us and ways for you to become the good news by helping out and getting involved as well. You can catch all of these stories and many more on goodthingsguide.com. But until next week, as I say... Every week, wishing you only good things. Thank you, Brent Q, the good things guy. Where does he get that energy from? I want some of that energy. He's like a pocket rocket. 
Walking this talk together. Every hour. Every day. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. Right, wrapping up the program with some of your WhatsApp messages. There are quite a few people messaging in, talking about the Kasasu protest today. Not strike, it's a protest. They've joined the protest with Samu. Some are marching and saying they want their 5.5%. They're saying there was a collective bargaining agreement. They want 5.5%. A lot of people saying, well, if the city doesn't have it, they don't have it. And a lot of people, I think, also losing their patience when it comes to striking or protests in the Pretoria CBD. A lot of people not happy with the with the situation there. A few roads have been closed, so just be careful if you are going in that area. The streets affected by the march are Struben, Kawi, Hossi, Mampuru, Sophie de Brain, Madiba, Bosman as well. Also, Paul Kruger and Tabo Sohume and Lillian Ngoy. That protest at the moment is underway, so just be careful if you are going that way. Then a few people also talking about the, the rugby. Many people saying, go Springboks, go. Must tell you, I was over seas for a couple of weeks and I went into a pub in Berlin to watch Ireland versus South Africa. It was an Irish pub. I didn't realize. It was an Irish pub. I was the only South African there. And the spirit was so good. I got heckled. I had a Springbok rugby jersey on. Got absolutely heckled. But it was so lovely at the end because the Springboks, as you know, did lose. But most of the Irishmen just turned around and said, you know what, let's get you a Guinness and sort it out. And they were absolutely fantastic. So got all these pictures of these very merry Irishmen. And I think that's the thing about rugby at the moment. It's always about being a gentleman about it. The All Blacks are also very good that way. Even if they thump aside, they then take pictures with that side and uh, they're very sort of very gentlemanly about it. That wraps up the Midday Reports. Go Ireland. It's-